This is Trinity Western University's Chapel Podcast, where our daily chapel gatherings are captured and shared for the TWU community. Whatever your day looks like today, we're glad you're tuning in. morning. I'm going to talk a little bit about my husband Jim. I introduced you to him a bit yesterday. I've been married to him for for four and a half years and I've discovered something about his passions. One of his passions is wood. His occupation involves working with wood because he builds decks and fences for a living. Um, He built our house literally from the ground up. Uh, We have baseboards and kitchen cupboards and door frames that are works of art that are ridiculously beautiful. They just catch the eye in wonderful ways. This summer, he and I built a barnwood wall in our summer place, and I think it turned out pretty good. When we go to craft shows, he stalls out at the, at the, the, the booths that have woodwork. He just loves and he touches it all and feels it and feel, loves the grain and talks to the craftsmen. In last fall, I mentioned to him that I love those little mobile libraries like that um, where you could take a book, leave a book at the end of the sidewalk. And I got one for Christmas because he just sort of whipped one up. He just loves all things wood. And his other passion is people. He loves hanging out and enjoying people and he has great friends. Husband, uh, Jim goes to breakfast with the guys every Friday morning. Half a dozen guys um, from our church, they have a weekly breakfast. Whoever isn't on a business trip or vacation shows up for eggs and toast at Smitty's at 7 a.m. Now, it's rare that all six of them make it for a full on a Friday, but some of them are always there. They've been doing this for over 15 years. A couple of weekends ago, these two passions, Wood and Friends, collided in the best of ways for Jim. One of the men from his Friday breakfast invited them all for a two-day cottage build in the bush. This was Jim's chance to put up walls and roof trusses with some of his favorite people, like it just doesn't get better than this, right? And Ken was get, Kent was gathering people like an old-fashioned barn raising, and it was going to be fabulous. In addition to a bunch of the Friday breakfast guys, Kent also invited a guy that he had met from his work. Kent's a director at an inner city um, community organization. And there was a guy that recently got out of prison um, and it was probably best for him not to hang out with the guys that he usually hangs out with or else he'd end back in there. So he was trying to learn carpentry as a way of staying out of jail and he was looking to make new friendships so Kent invited him along. Kent introduced Jim and the other guys um, by name to this new guy, and then he said this to the new fellow, these guys will be the pallbearers at my funeral someday. Kind of an odd way to introduce somebody, isn't it? Now I'm realizing that I'm talking to a whole group of people that are almost all under the age of 25, and I truly pray and trust that you all have many good years ahead of you. But I am going to ask you to remember and contemplate from time to time one line that I say today. I'm going to ask you to think about it today, these years at Trinity, and then for decades after Trinity. And the line is this. Are you developing the people in your life that will be pallbearers at your funeral? And I want you to know that when you finally get there, when you're in the box, I don't actually think you will care who's carrying it once it gets to that point. You will be having much other fun, more glorious stuff to be doing at that point um, in heaven several days after your death. But I think this question is a good one to mull over because like Kent, it is less who will actually carry him in death. It's really about who now carries him in life. 
In a world where we have dozens of people on our phone's contact list, hundreds of Facebook friends and thousands of Instagram followers, we only need about six to carry our coffin. Kent has thought about this, and I'm thinking we need about that many to carry us through our lives. Sometimes in the rush to get a career, get the girl, get the scholarship, make the team, get the A, get the job, save for the down payment, or whatever targets and goals you have, we forget that we are fundamentally created for a relationship. In fact, we are created by relationship, capital R, relationship. In the beginning, God. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's known by so many names, but our God is one God in perfect relationship. God said in Genesis 1, starting at verse 26, God spoke, let us make human beings in our image, make them reflecting our nature, so they can be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the cattle, and yes, earth itself, and every animal that moves on the face of earth. God created human beings, and he created them God-like, reflecting God's nature, he created them male and female. Larry Crabb describes God in this way in his book, Connections. Imagine the sheer delight of enjoying perfect relationships with two others, with no fear of things turning sour, a community of three cut from the same fabric and yet unmistakably distinct. Imagine three, without a hint of competitiveness, are absolutely thrilled with the uniqueness of the other two, who will stop at nothing to give each other the opportunity to display their special glory. Imagine a community without even the shadow of evil, with nothing but perfect goodness, where every member can be found fully himself without fear of promoting rivalry or releasing something bad. What the scriptures reveal about relationships within the Trinity since creation actually supports these kind of imaginings. The Father intends to bring all things under Christ and to give him a name above every name. The Son has no greater delight than pleasing the Father. The Spirit loves to whisper, Abba, to fatherless children and to present Christ as the perfect lover to the unloved and unlovable. So it is in that image that we are created. We all need each other. We need to encourage and support and care for each other. We need each other to laugh with, have fun with, cry with, grieve with, struggle with, screw up with, figure out how to repair those ruptures, all of that. We need to do that together. You don't have to do this thing called life alone. And you were never meant to. Robert Waldinger is the current head of the Harvard Study of Adult Development, and he talks about the clearest and most conclusive message that we get from an 80-year study. Now, this study started in 1938 with 268 Harvard students that went on to include their 1,300 children, then added 456 inner-city Boston men and added their wives and their children. So this is an extremely broad and extensive study that's been running for 80 years. They had looked at every measure of health and every measure of success, looked at their careers and their marriages and their kids and what happened and how long they lived and what their blood pressure was and all that stuff. And he says, if you sum up the volumes of information in this study into one summary sentence, it is this. Good relationships keep us happier and healthier, period. More than money and fame, more than anything else, the relationships buffer people in life's challenges 
and helps us to decline slower, to live longer and be healthier. So relationships are really important, but we are experiencing increasing relational poverty. Between 1985 and 1994, 85 to 94, active involvement in community organizations in North America fell by half. This is like bowling leagues and church choirs and book clubs and all that sort of stuff. The number of times people went out of their houses to get together with other people and hang out dropped by half in a decade that ended in 85, and I can only imagine it's just increased since. I went to a workshop on addictions last month, and the closing speaker was journalist Johan Hari. Some of you might have heard his stuff, have seen his TED Talk. He has this really cute five-minute uh, kind of a cartoony TED Talk on addictions, and the line that he's most famous for in that TED Talk is the opposite of sobriety. The opposite of addiction is not sobriety. The opposite of addiction is connection. And he related an alarming statistic at this workshop that I was at. Years ago, he says, when you ask the average American, so this is the United States, how many people they could call on a crisis, the number that was most often mentioned was three. When they asked this question very recently, the number that is now most often stated is zero. Zero is the most common number that people state, if you're in trouble and you need to call on people, how many people could you call? Zero. Now immediately, my cynical and smug self thought, well, this is a British guy who is speaking all over the world and he's spouting a fact about America, Americans. Clearly he doesn't know that we're Canadians and our numbers would be much different, right? We're friendlier, um, we, this, we'd be much better off. But his next sentence was this, the only two countries that had poor responses to this question were Iceland and Canada. The number of people that now say they have no one with whom they can discuss most important matters in their lives has nearly tripled over the last 20 years. Ouch, we still have the same need to connect and we are far more impo impoverished in our connections. That's really alarming. I gave a TEDx talk last year that looked at the truck full of powerful research that has been done that says we need people. The meta-analysis done by Julianne Lundstadt um, and her colleagues over 148 studies summarized the results to say loneliness is a health risk equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day and carries more risk than obesity or air pollution. Going from very isolated to connected drops the likelihood that you will die an early death by half. The science is coming together and showing that we are not honoring how we are created. At a time that we are developing the scientific proof that we need close and personal relationships, what God has said all along for millennia, we are now showing very objectively we are lonelier than we have ever been. In Winnipeg, 37% of people were sometimes, often, or always lonely within the last week. I don't know that the numbers are that much different in British Columbia. Look beside you right now to your left and to your right. Right now, look left and look right. Statistically, one of you is lonely. Many of us, when we're lonely, look to the little devices in our pocket to help us be less lonely. Apple says that stats indicate the average person opens their phone about 80 times a day. That's about five times every waking hour. And the research says that technology, when we're lonely, we pull our phones out and we feel less lonely, sorta, but it doesn't actually work. The loneliness exists, and people use their phones to fill the void, which actually increases the loneliness. 
We know that when you're with people face to face and you communicate with them, this neurotransmitter in our brains, oxytocin, starts to pick up and we feel better. You don't get that when you're communicating with someone online. Many Canadians don't have anybody to carry them in life, never mind in death. So the guys that Jim meets for Friday breakfast, they are old growth friends. They've been a part of his life for over 15 years. They have weaved their roots in and amongst the roots amongst each other. They have just put in the time. Often they just talk about cars and vacations and the bombers and the jets. Sometimes they talk about the challenges in the of their business or the stresses of a job hunt. Other times they talk about the struggles and the joys of their hearts. Matters of faith and turmoil and painful situations with which, with, with which they are wrestling and they pray together. Tender moments they are, that are not often uttered between guys in regular conversation, these guys can go there because Fridays. It's beautiful, I think. He knows who has been with him through thick and thin in life. The men at Friday breakfast have carried each other by their constant pressure, presence in each other's lives. They've put the time in with oodles of ordinary moments so when the time comes, they can utter sacred and raw truth to each other. When one of them is in a time of heaviness, they have the relationship equity to hold the tough stuff. These guys talk about what it makes sense to talk about. Ordinary stuff, ordinarily, but when life struggle happens to one of the guys, they will talk about it because, well, Friday. These guys heard about when Jim's wife was diagnosed with cancer. They chatted with him weekly on Fridays as she was terminal. Fridays came after the memorial service, and Jim showed up. Friday's breakfast continued as he was freshly dealing with her death. Jim showed up, sleepily from restless nights, all cried out, and they were there because it was Friday. Jim didn't need to find support for his grief because he already had support for his life. Months after his death, after her death, um, they noticed that he was still grieving but they also noticed he had like a little pep in his step. And he told them about how he and I were starting to hang out. And he invited them into the excitement of that relationship. Now I'll tell you, we started dating about six or seven months after she died. They had a wonderful marriage. She was a wonderful lady. He was still very much grieving her and something was happening between us. The numbers looked wrong and yet it felt right. But we checked with community. He invited their feedback about dating while still a fairly new widow. They had long ago earned the right to tell him if they thought he was being impulsive or foolish. He trusted their love to say the hard and good things. And he and I loved the green light that they gave him. I'm so grateful that husband has the guys from Friday breakfast in his life, that they have each other. In a world where too often people say they have no one, he's got these guys to call on in a crisis but it's only because of the hundreds of hours that they've logged in with each other. I've got Mary. I told her, you about her yesterday. Mary and I have met for coffee on Thursday mornings every week since 2005, and she was co-pastor with my first husband. When he started pulling away from me and I couldn't understand what was going on, he was also pulling away from her in his workplace. We fell in the habit of meeting each other and then just supporting each other, and then we just kept showing up. We still show up on Thursdays. We don't call or text much. We don't visit much in between Thursday mornings. We just show up. If one of us cancels, like I canceled for this morning, she knows not to show up. But otherwise, if we haven't heard from each other, we just go. 
show up at Starbucks at 8.15 for about an hour and a half. Usually we talk about the mundane, beautifully ordinary moments of life, parenting, work, aging parents, and so forth. But if something significant happens, Thursday is coming, and it will get talked about with all the rights and privileges that are granted with deep depth of, privilege, deep depth of friendship. I am a better version of me because of Thursday mornings with Mary. Having people there for you when you really need them means putting the time in over the years. Ordinary times of repeated hanging out, playing games, visiting, being in the same space. Average time that isn't hilarious or mind-blowing, just routine. A few people repeatedly over time so that the winds blow and the tempests swirl around, the relationship's already in place. No one gets through life, this life, without heartbreak, broken relationships, or shattered dreams, or tragedy. They affect just about all of us before we're done on this earth. So here's something important to remember. When hard times happen, and they will, that is when you are least able to find the people that you lean on. You can't find the people you need when you need that emotional support, because often when people are struggling, their first reaction is to pull away. And so when you have people in your life that are there and they notice you pulling away because of tragedy, they're already there and they're pulling you back up because they know that you need them. So practically, let me inspire you with a few really, really practical tips. So first of all, if you are here and you feel like you haven't found your people yet, that's okay. Keep looking. It doesn't say anything about you that you have not yet found your tribe. And actually, high school is for many of you, you're only a couple years out of high school. It's a terrible place to meet your lifelong tribe. It's just so hard in so many ways. Give yourself some time. Give yourself some years to kind of keep looking, keeping intentional about developing relationships that will be long-term good relationships for you. Just keep looking. Second of all, if everybody waits on everybody else to be invited into relationship, we all stay home watching Netflix by ourselves. Somebody has got to make the first move, and that's hard when you're lonely. Somebody needs to reach out. When efforts are snubbed or you're getting to know people and it comes back to bite you, everything inside of us, and I've gone through this, says don't get hurt again, don't try, play it safe. And if that worked, that would be great. But it doesn't. We become less lonely, more lonely. And the research says that lonely people actually become less trusting and less open to relationships the lonelier they get. And so it gets harder and harder to reach out. It's important to support yourself, Lean on your faith and know that Jesus longs for you to be in relationship. Jesus has placed you into this world to be a friend from others. People are looking for you to be in their tribe. You just got to keep engaging. Jesus' heart breaks for you if you're lonely. He is with you in your loneliness. And he actually knows that there is someone for whom you can make their life less lonely. And he will, they will, he will bring that person into your life to be less lonely. Online connection does not work nearly as well in person. Some of you are FaceTiming your best friends on the other end of country because you're here in dorm. I'm not talking about that. But social media is not a place to meaningfully connect with people. It happens face to face. Get bored together. Don't expect to have life-altering, hilarious evenings every time. Just put in lots of time with a few people for years. And this is not about neglecting ministry. Go out and reach people you don't know, make an impact, serve, all that other stuff, and then come back and meet with a few people regularly. Leave your phones and your shoes at the door or leave them in your car. Don't let yourself look at them when you're with people. 
The man who was let down by his friends in front of Jesus, I kind of imagine there was about four of them that let him down, like one on each corner of the blanket. And I'm thinking that it's a good idea to have about four enduring friends who will see you and do the heavy lifting and carry you into Jesus' presence when you can't get there yourself. God designed us to be carried by other people towards him when we need it. Honor who you are as his creation to create a life that has a few good friends in it. And you can't hotwire intimacy. You can't get to close relationships without putting in the time and risking vulnerably to let people get to know you, risking closeness. Trust develops through becoming more vulnerable and increasing vulnerability develops trust. Having a boyfriend or a girlfriend is not enough. You need to have friends, lots of friends. It's not fair to put all your relational needs on one person. That's not how we were designed. And guys, I've worked with people in my counseling office. They talk with people at work. They maybe play in a hockey team, go for a beer with the guys after work. But they come in and after 10 or 15 minutes of talking with me with what me with what to me feels like fairly ordinary conversation they say i have said more to you than i say to anybody ever you have to let people in just having fun with people and not going deeper doesn't cut it when jim and i got married of course the guys from friday breakfast they all came to our wedding they showed up to support him and us and someday they will come to his funeral unless Jim has already been to theirs. They will carry him home one last time. He won't care at that point if they, are to carry his, if they aren't there to carry his coffin, but tomorrow he will go for eggs and toast with the guys. The conversation will probably be ordinary, but if it needs to be more, it will be. Please craft a life that honors God the way that God has created you to have people around you in intentional, long-term community to create this environment of mutual support. Can you pray with me? God, there are people that are stressed here with exams and papers and just wondering how they're going to get everything done. There's some people here that are studying as an excuse to not admit how lonely they are. Um, there are other people that are just here aching to be known. And God, I pray that you would create a community here just little pockets of community where people would be able to be open, where people would be able to risk, tell them something, tell somebody something they've never told anybody else in hopes that somebody will then feel safe to do the same with them. God, I pray that you would be with these people, help them to feel in community, certainly as one large Trinity Western, but also little tiny pockets of just a couple of people. Be with these people, know that they are loved, help them feel loved by each other, um, that through each other they will be, feel loved by you. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that this message has challenged, encouraged, and inspired you as we continue learning and growing together in discipleship to Jesus. Every week, you'll find new chapel messages on our channel from local and international speakers ranging in diverse and engaging topics. So go ahead and subscribe for the latest of what's going on in chapel. Much love and happy listening.